Hello and welcome to CFRC 101.9 FM. As always, Thomas here with Evan. How's it going today? Uh, not too bad. No Sunday scaries for me today, thankfully. So yeah, no, I'm 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 doing well. Uh, the no football is weird for some reason. I don't think the virtual Pro Bowl on Madden will will hit quite the same. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a. It's, I feel it, it. The no football this weekend has thrown me off big time. I know I knew it was coming, and I guess. Uh, it's I'm just more scared for what I do after the Super Bowl. Other than it is it is becomes off season draft approaching. I mean yesterday was also a big trade, the Stafford for golf trade, which I was pretty happy about. Bears usually see Stafford twice a year. They will be seeing golf twice a year. So, you know, it was nice news on a Saturday evening. I'll say that. Can't complain, can't complain. No. And I mean, it's been on the football note. It has just thrown me off. It feels like there's just one more day left in the weekend. I haven't enjoyed football for five to nine hours, and it's just not complete yet. Right? What am I supposed to do today? It doesn't. It's like it, it, it's left a hole in my heart, to say the least. And I don't, I, I don't see that hole being filled anytime soon, or at least until maybe. Uh, there's some playoff um, NBA action or like pre-playoff. So I mean, is at a weird point in the season where uh, I find it's around the 20 game mark and we're starting to see which teams elevate themselves and which teams kind of um, kind of fall out of real contention and seriousness and trades start happening. It's a weird time. Um Usually things start picking up again around the All-Star break, which they originally said wasn't going to happen this year. We'll get to this later. They originally said wasn't going to happen this year, but now they're saying will. They won't make a full weekend out of it, but I believe they're trying to play a game. If it's anything like last year's game that went down to the line, I'd be very, very happy with that decision. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird lull. It feels like the excitement of the beginning of the season isn't necessarily still there, but um, we are starting to get a better understanding of which teams and players are legit and vice versa. Yeah, no. And I mean, speaking on the all-star game, it's going to, if even if it's just one day or not even a weekend or whatever, there's so many teams that have played such a variety of number of games. I just see, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be hard to kind of schedule around that. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking. Regardless, they're going to be playing deep, deep into the summer, which like, I don't know how it affects next season. Cause at some point there will be another, I, the NBA saw a pretty, or is seeing really a pretty bad kind of coronavirus. Um, They've been doing it with pretty bad for the past three weeks. It was super bad about, two, three weeks ago. I mean, and they had to delay a bunch of games. The Grizzlies, I want to say, yeah, the Grizzlies are have only played 14 games, whereas the uh, Lakers are now up to 21. Um, some teams are even at 22 games. But, am I, yeah, Brooklyn's at 22 games. Um, so I don't know how 
there's they're gonna get hit that that NBA that is there's gonna get hit super hard again. I don't know when that will be, but it seems like they'd have to give the players an all star or a serious break in the middle of the season, regardless. Just because like I, I, it's my sense that you have to. It's still a seventy two game season, and then there's the whole uh, family and argument and whatnot. Um, but I think the players will actually need that. So. I my thing is if you if you're adding that in with the game like the the season's gonna end in like mid September I feel like which just disrupts the next season I just my thinking with sports particularly is that hopefully by 2022 things go back schedule wise go back to somewhat being normal but yeah I don't know how the NBA is gonna manage that. But I, I'm all honestly, I'm all for it. if if they do a similar format to last year and the players care, then I'm all for an all star game. We're also just kind of speaking on sports getting back to normal and that the coronavirus effect on sports. I was listening to the uh, Woj pod earlier with Mike Connolly, and Mike Connolly, I think, mentioned that he would. I know a lot of players have spoken against it, but he mentioned that he would and probably the Jazz. It almost felt like he was speaking like not for the Jazz, but in a line with them that if the bubble was shorter, just the playoffs, the players would be, would be willing to commit to that, to not have to deal with star players or players at all sitting out due to coronavirus since the last one was such a huge success in so many ways and it failed in other ways. But as far as keeping the players safe and keeping everybody in the lineup, it was a huge win. Mm-hmm. So I found that interesting. And then another thing he spoke on before uh, that I'm going to leave you with is this, um, he was speaking about kind of the vaccination for the players and he what he he mentioned something I didn't even consider, which he said there might be some resistance from players to get vaccination if the NBA was not like forced to get them to be able to run their game safely. Mm-hmm. Well, the NBA is like any large group of people. There's some uh, I guess you can call them outcasts. Like I know Dwight Howard has been pretty or I think he toned it down more just because he realized the Lakers were on a title run and he shouldn't be a distraction. But I don't know if you recall, he was pretty... Um, he had some interesting thoughts about the virus. He thought it was a bit of a hoax. Um, he had been allegedly reported a bunch of times on the Disney campus for not wearing a mask. Um, totally entitled to think that way. But yeah, no, I actually do think there would be some pushback vaccine-wise, although if they can vaccinate 90% of the players, then then it's kind of like a herd herd immunity thing. Um, yeah, but again, I I, I think the bubble I, I feel like I feel like they're planning on doing the bubble again for the playoffs. But I don't know. They must be. There's I don't see another way at this it, point, like considering how bad it's been so far. Yeah, it almost makes in a way, it almost makes no sense if they didn't do the bubble just because it was so successful and i i feel like from a player's perspective they obviously as much as they complained about like the food and being stuck um and really a hotel resort which uh, yeah that doesn't it doesn't sound great to me even though you're being paid however many million dollars to do to play a game a sport rather um i feel like the, their complaints this season, which has been more related to like the family and you can't do anything. I feel like they're better off in the bubble because regardless, you're not going to be able to do anything, but if you're in the bubble, you're at least safe and you know that you can, 
do this or that. And presumably because the bubble was such a big success last year, I, I feel as if they would um, most likely have the families there from the beginning or at least extended, kind of extend the rules uh, a bit further than they did at the beginning of last year's bubble just because they knew how they know how it works so well, how it works, and they know that it worked so well already. But yeah, I think I think that will that will be coming shortly. I feel like the news of that at least. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that is the case. Mm-hmm. And as well on that All Star note, I don't think it's. I mean, with the shortened season now that I mean, some teams we mentioned the disparity in games played. I don't know if it would be too early or too late to make some All Star predictions. What do you think? Oh, I'm all for the All Star predictions. The East, I was thinking about it. Uh, kind of in my head right before this, the West All Stars um, kind of seem similar to in past years. Of course, they they lose a couple guys. Um, they get Steph back though. They basically just lost Harden. To be honest, um, the East All Star is super, 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 super interesting. I will say, whoever gets the fifth starting spot in the West is also an interesting debate because it seems like it's pretty clearly. Jokic is playing out of his mind. He's playing like he's right now. He's the MVP, in my opinion. He's basically putting up Westbrook, twenty seventeen numbers, twenty eighteen numbers with extreme efficiency as a center. Um. So yeah, so yeah, you have you have Jokic, Kawhi, LeBron, and AD. I feel like those are set in stone. But between Lillard, um, yeah, between Lillard. Gobert, uh, Mitchell, and Curry. I uh, who I don't I don't know who gets the fifth spot. So that will be interesting. Where I'm I'm more interested is in the East, though. You got a lot of potential for kind of first time All Stars, and um, just because of the way the season is going, guys like Kyrie may not make it. Guys like Jimmy may not make it just because the game's played. Although Jimmy is coming back. I we're recording this on Sunday. What I what I think is today. And uh, apparently he's not under any minute restrictions, but I think the East could see some interesting first-time All Stars. What do you, what do you, what do you kind of think of going into the All Star landscape? If there's any like interesting storylines, or we can get into who who we think maybe some of the first timers are in a bit. But as far as interesting storylines in the East, I mean the emergence of Joel Embiid as an MVP caliber player. In terms of every doubt that people have had for him, he's kind of stepped up to answer so far this season and has defined himself, I think, as the number one player on Philadelphia. When in the offseason we're talking, would you rather trade Ben? Would you rather trade Joel? I mean, it's obvious that Joel is the guy you'd want to keep, barring any major injury. Mm -hmm. So as far as the East being kind of set in certain ways for a new all-star i'd be excited to see jalen brown emerge i mean we talked about him uh last week as a uh, more of a like breakout player this year in terms of production and percentage wise and then that kind of sentiment was actually echoed this week by major news uh sources like the ringer in terms of touting in episodes of jalen brown's advancement so i wouldn't be surprised to see him move up but as far as the big trio in Brooklyn, do we think we'll see them? Probably not Kyrie because of time missed. Uh, missed. But I'm just, which all-star team 
do you think would even have the edge minus a draft in this situation? I, I'm taking West by like a thousand. Um, in the East, like West is, I think, infinitely better. I mean, I like from my perspective, the West could, the West will have Doncic coming off the bench because he hasn't, he nor his team has done enough for him to earn a starting spot. They'll also have three of uh, Mitchell Gobert, um, Lillard or Curry coming off the bench. They'll also have Paul George coming off the bench. I, I West or East is, is not even close to a debate in my opinion, but um, in the East. Yeah. I, you, I was obviously thinking Jalen Brown naturally one would probably at the beginning of the season, maybe uh, in terms of the East one would kind of immediately think MB Durant, Giannis, um, MB Durant, Giannis Tatum, and eh, people naturally probably go maybe Kyrie. Now that Harden's there, people think Harden, but I think you can get, I think the Giannis, Durant and Embiid are all locks. Those are also three guys who are. I'd be sh- yeah, I'd be shocked if they didn't end up on the first two All NBA teams. Um, Giannis, Durant, and Embiid honestly have a decent chance of of all making first. I think Giannis and Embiid are close to locks right now. And then, do they consider Butler a guard or a forward? I remember there's some sort of shenanigans about that and Pascal getting picked over him or something last year. Mm-hmm. So you can go, some guys get the, I, I don't fully understand it because then where do you, where do you put a guy like Ben Simmons? And even when Boston runs, even when Boston runs Kemba and Smart on the same floor, like Jalen Brown's playing forward that then he's not playing, he's not playing guard. I, I don't think too much into that. I just, in my mind, I go, okay, each team needs two guard type players and, and the rest don't really matter between the forward power forward center position i'd put jalen down as a guard so anyways my if i had to pick the other two starters in the east fetching all the way back um i go jalen brown and malcolm brogdon it's like who who would have thought that those two and it, it's not like this isn't as a, a starter um, oh yeah brogdon's brogdon's basically doing 22 like 22 uh, like eight and five on 50, 40, 90 shooting. And Indiana's 11 and eight. I mean, Trey Young definitely doesn't deserve it over him. Uh, there's definitely an argument to be made about Harden just because Harden is so good. But I, I, I don't know which other guard in the East, you know, has that, has, has had even a close to as good of a season as, um, our guy Brogdon. So yeah, I think seeing Brogdon and Bram. Starting could be super interesting. Even though Kyrie's only played 13 games, he is a legitimate 50, 40, 90 guy so far this season. And I don't know. I don't like, for me, it's just hard to picture Brogdon as the starter just because he's not even the best player on his team. And I mean, with James and Kyrie there, it just seems tough for me to pick him. I mean, if he was the best player on his team, I feel like it would be an easier choice. But with Sabonis uh, shining so bright. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if that fully, but I mean, it's not to take anything away from his season. He is having a great year. I just don't know if he can take that spot away from an established guy like a Kyrie or a James. Do you, would you put, um, would you put Sabonis over 
we can get back into the um, Kyrie or James debate in a bit of whether they deserve it. But what you put, would you put um, Sabonis is better than than Brogdon? As far as to the team and the, like his contribution to winning, I'd put him there. I just feel like Brogdon's so. I don't know. To me, it's just that in in, in last year, I may I would have probably agreed with you, but I feel like. First of all, twenty. He's their leading scorer by like three points. Indiana needs that. Second of all, I feel like Turner has surprisingly given them way more than enough. Um, he's the low key defensive player of the year. I think Miles Turner right now. But I, I, I think in terms of actual value, Brogdon, Brogdon's actually provided more this season, especially with the TJ Warren injury. Injury. They haven't had Old Depot now for four games. Brogdon's doing so much on offense, and they're on and off with on offense with him on the floor versus him off is 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 there's a miles a, a, a difference. Um, with the Kyrie, he has been he's been. Do you know what? It's funny. Kyrie probably does deserve to be to have the starting position as an All Star. He's been Kyrie's also been. I mean, thirteen games. Which honestly is 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 definitely that's still a handful. I mean, that's more than eight, which is like what a lot of maybe other players have played. But yeah, no, Kyrie Kyrie is shooting the lights out on crazy efficiency. He 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 probably he probably deserves to be there. I mean, Brogdon's Brogdon will have a shot at being a second team on all defense as well, where that's probably Kyrie's biggest weakness, but. I feel like I just wanted to reward the Pacers with the Brogdon thought process, but you know, between Kyrie and Harden, they they probably actually do deserve the spot now that I think about it. I do agree with you, though, that the Pacers have had an impressive season as far as, I mean, making everything work together. And I'm excited to see that Karis LeVert option add in there and see how that kind of works out. And when TJ go, uh, Warren gets back if they can kind of maximize this talent and i want to i don't want to say ego but anytime you get that many people who are that skilled and there's only so many touches that we're gonna see some flashes of ego so I wanna, i'd be interested to see how that all meshes mm-hmm. i mean i'd argue if there's one place and i've a bunch of people have spoken super highly about brogdon and then sabonis i don't know he played at gonzaga he's lithuania i feel like feel like he's good on that sense. I think if there's a team where egos don't end up playing a factor, it's probably Indiana. But we'll I'd see some... In, I'd be impressed. Yeah, we'll see some other first-time All-Stars. Um, just because Orlando is now fading out and Vucevic, I, I, he's playing amazing. But it's, it's unlikely he'll be an All-Star again this year. Orlando's 8-12. and 12. They'll probably continue falling. Um, Andre Drummond will, after all these years in Detroit, he'll probably be an all-star for the first time as well. Uh, whether you think he's playing well because of the system or you think he's playing well, uh, just cause him, honestly, I, I feel like this is one of those good for you, like good for you moments because the past, I f- feel like it's been three years. It's always been, it, there's kind of like one player who gets snubbed every year whether they deserve to get snubbed snubbed or not 
And then there's like two players behind them going like, what are you talking about? I should have been in the all-star game too. And in the East that, that kind of feels like it's been Andre Drummond for like the past, however many years in the West, it feels a bit more like it, it used to be always Conley. Um, but yeah, this year, I think Drummond may make it. Drummond has a chance of making this year. That That's a little feel good storyline, maybe depending on if you're an Andre Drummond fan. Oh, no, I, I think, I think he could definitely make it. And there's, Beyond him just playing a lot better this year, and in a like a system that works, I'd say much well makes his style of play much more effective. Is that I think he might be a candidate to join the uh, Migos in uh, in Brooklyn as maybe a buyout, or and if it's not him, Javale McGee, as we talked about before in the past, but. As far as insiders rumbling on Twitter and through podcasts, there's a lot of talk about Andre Drummond potentially being a bio candidate for one of these top contending teams. Mm -hmm. And Boston, I would keep my eye out on the most. He doesn't fit there. He definitely doesn't fit Brad Stevens' style. He doesn't fit Danny Ainge's style either. But Boston has, and I don't know what either side really has to offer, but Boston, with the Gordon Hayward leaving in free agency, I believe they have a $28 million trade exception. And I forget what they, yeah. they have to use that by. But they can kind of get Drummond for six months for essentially for free. So I've been almost waiting to see what was going to happen there. And I, I love Tice and I like Tristan Thompson too. I think they probably fit better in what Boston's trying to do. But I mean... Drummond's probably a bit better than both of them. Close to Tice, he's probably a, a fair bit better than uh, Thompson. And if if you see a shot to you know win this year for Boston, I go for it. Brooklyn, I don't, I don't totally understand how the trade is gonna be made. That's my. It would have to be a buy, and that's assuming Cleveland is going to buy out Andre Drummond. Because what can what can Brooklyn trade? Excuse me for what can Brooklyn trade? Their their picks are gone, and essentially their whole cap matches really. And they can yeah. trade Dimwitty's contract. Yeah, you're right. That's actually that actually is true. Um, that's about yeah. what. That's their only piece left. Is that contract really? Yeah, I I saw Boston as a. I haven't been reading the articles. I saw Boston as the make the most sense just because of the trade exception. But yeah, we'll see where it goes. It doesn't. I can't see Drummond going to the West. Drummond doesn't feel like he'd right. find his way to the West. I don't know though. I just which team would trade for him? You know. I know. yeah, and then I think I'm not sure where he'd go in the West, and I totally agree with you on that. But as far as the East, and potentially not a new all-star but a returning one what do you think about gordon hayward and the uh charlotte hornets i mean Lamelo popped off last night 27 points his highest of his career and shockingly efficient it, he made all those shots that he normally missed and was able to i mean get some points in the paint that normally gets uh bodied out of but he's also complimented gordon hayward quite well this year and he's made it work great in that system hayward and he's uh he's shooting efficiently. I mean, not like he's not 
elegant, elegant as some of these other guys we've talked about, like Kyrie, but has put up a great season and not as a starter, but maybe on the reserves. Do you you think he has a uh, shot to be there? Who, who are we speaking about? Gordon Hayward or Hayward? Hayward. Not yeah, a, um. It depends how many if he if he plays going forward. But yeah, I mean Hayward's always been definitely good enough to be the first scoring option on you know a bottom ten team in the league bottom 12 team and he's kind of just quite honestly showing it again um score from anywhere relatively efficient he can kind of do it by himself too um yeah i i thought he maybe wasn't going to be this good just because the injuries in boston and we had never seen him with his full confidence again in boston really but i mean he is um if we can see kind of exactly what we've been getting out of him for the next bit, then, you know, he has a chance, but I still guys like Gordon Hayward to me, just cause he's scoring and I'd put maybe Zach Levine on the same, uh, kind of pedestal guys like that don't necessarily deserve to make the all-star team just cause you see at 23 or 22 or 24 in the points per game notice. I would much rather, put you know the third like a, a Tobias Harris type guy who's really kind of having a year of his own and contributing in a in a really kind of good way to winning and putting up the numbers too you know I I'd rather see a guy like Vucevic even even a guy as crazy as this sounds um Grant in Detroit I I prefer you know the winning the winning basketball I understand all NBA teams are where you reward the the winners and the really best players. And All-Star can sometimes be about flashy and stats. But I, I still like, to a degree, to leave the, um, I don't know, leave leave the D'Angelo Russell-type characters, Zach Levine-type characters out of the game. And, you know, give me show me the Chris Pauls and the, and the Vuceviches and the Tobias Harris's. Uh, that's that's kind of my thinking. But no, Hayward's Hayward's been great. He's been exactly what Charlotte us presumably was looking, which was a guy to you know make them ha- compete for the seventh eighth seed. And I think that's what they'll do this year. And I think they have a good shot at the eighth seed because they have talent on the roster. You know. No, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one and as far as prioritizing wins over i mean stats but like you said they have a chance at being uh the eight like they're currently the eight seed right now and have a chance of maintaining that throughout the play-in tournament making the playoffs so as far as the situation turning around i know there's a couple other things that have happened in charlotte like lamello joining but I don't know if those are fully empty stats and just looking closer. He is real close to a 50, 40, 90 guy on a team that's approaching 500, but not quite 500. And I don't know. I wouldn't write him off yet, but I think, but no, but in terms of agreeing with you that Tobias Harris, I'd prefer to see him in the all-star game. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. And I find it interesting as well that you mentioned Grant. So I was going to bring him up as kind of that next guy where, I mean, if I was the Denver Nuggets, I'd be missing him right now. And I think you were, I think you might have seen this coming. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I was totally off on Grant as far as his role in the Nuggets expanding to this role on Detroit and living up to the money. But I'll eat my soup on that one because he looks amazing. And um, what do you, what do you think? Do you, 
were you expecting this grant uh, kind of explosion, like I said, or was I off on that? Mm, well, in, in Denver, I really thought they, they underused him. I think they just had a lot of uh, money invested in, in Millsap and they really, and Millsap, Millsap was playing great. He just was a bit streaky all the time and Millsap never really showed up in the playoffs either. Um, and then Malone, I, I like Plumley. Oh, so we take we we have Jokic. He's he's obviously he's a definite. And you have Plumley, who honestly I I felt they're now playing in Detroit together. Funny enough, and you know Plumley's not playing all that well. Um, regardless, or Plumley is playing decently actually. Um, there wasn't enough minutes to go around, and there definitely wasn't enough basketball to go around because. It felt like the Nuggets offense was either kind of like a perimeter, get a guy on the perimeter shot or a two man between Jokic and Murray. So my thinking was like, you know, when, when you had Porter on the floor, it felt like you almost had to give him the ball just because his, of his potential talent. But with Grant, I, I almost saw like, uh, you know, he should definitely, it, it felt like he had eclipsed Paul Millsap by the end of the season and he should have definitely been getting his minutes and it, it also felt like I'd probably rather have Jokic Millsap and Grant on the floor than uh, Millsap, Jokic and Porter but it felt like uh, Jeremy Grant just deserved more minutes and, and more touches but it almost seemed understandable why he wasn't getting them. Coming to Detroit, I knew he was going to kind of improve in all terms production because he totally had like the build the conf the confidence too honestly the build the confidence and we had seen him done it do it in spurts um but as the first option because blake it seems like blake career as much as i don't like saying it it feels like almost it's over at 31 for him which he'll refer to old blake as young blake now yeah, he'll get traded somewhere and hopefully he'll rejuvenate himself. But anyways, Jeremy Grant coming to Detroit, he was being paid as the first option. And in the team, he almost felt like the first offensive option. To me, that didn't make sense. You're just, you're kind of, it felt like Detroit was paying him for something they had never seen before, which is uh, how good are you when the your usage percentage is 30 and you're taking 16 shots a game and the other team knows that you're the other team's best player. But he's... So I thought he was going to improve, or I thought he was his numbers were just going to be better, but he's actually... It seems like he's, to be honest, just improved a lot. Like the stats, the efficiency, and the role, he's he's handling the ball well. He's even passing it decently for you know his size and his perceived ball handling ability and playmaking ability. He's just... He he kind of feels in a in a weird way, a bit like a uh, like remember when Bam broke out uh, last season and it felt like he was just playing great on the defensive end. I think sorry with Bam this is two years ago actually he was obviously playing great on the defensive end, but with Bam it, it felt like he was doing these things offensively that you actually just weren't aware that he could do like these little like dribbles up the court and starting fast breaks and acting as a playmaker and ball handler in the offense. I feel like that's kind of happening with Grant right now. That's, that's my, where it's just like, 
it's almost okay that everyone was wrong about him. And it's almost okay that we were like, why did you just pay this guy 80 million? I feel like the, we'll see if he can keep it up, but the, the numbers are astounding. And yeah, no, I think he's also fringe all-star. No, I'm, I'm excited about Grant, especially the steps he's taken forward. And I think Denver kind of wishes they had a guy like that right now. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. has taken a huge step forward this year as far as just being a bucket. I mean, he was he didn't do amazing in the bubble, but he kind of did enough. But he was a not a cone, of, like a bad cone, like a pylon on defense. Mm-hmm. As far as his offensive game now, I feel like he's just a guy who can get you a bucket. He's huge. He's got a great three-point stroke. And it almost just seems unfair at times where... It's like, I. this is not a comparison, but a comparison in small moments of some buckets as far as when Kevin Durant would get a bucket on you. It's like, with that release, how are you contesting that? And I don't think he has the potential to be a player like Kevin Durant, but as far as to be frustrating in terms of getting those buckets and getting them with ease, he's definitely there now. Mm-hmm. My only thinking, and if we're just going to go back to keeping on comparing Grant to kind of Porter is that, you know, Porter, we talk about all these guys being buckets and having this insane offensive skill, but out of the top, top, top offensive skill players in the NBA, so you have, of course, the Lillards, the Currys, the Kyries, the Hardens, the guys who you can give the ball to on offense and kind of regardless of what they do, you're, you're okay with it because you are in the back of your mind conscious of, you know, just how good they are and how skilled they are. Um, when it gets to the point of like a Porter type player who again is an amazing creator on offense, it feels like the sky's the limit. At what point don't you just look at cause by the way, and Porter's only played nine games this year and he's played well in those games. He hasn't had super crazy numbers just because he's only taking 12 shots a game, but he's scoring a lot on those 12 shots. Anyways, my point is, at what point do you don't you rather just take a guy who gives it to you a hundred percent on defense, and then does the efficiency on offense is efficient on offense, but isn't like this crazy, um, you know, self self driven, self creating player? So uh, again, going back to Grant and um, Grant and Porter, I, I yeah, I'm not the biggest on the Porter type players, although I'm not doubting his potential at all. The other thing I wanted to ask is because the Nuggets are now 11 and eight. And I think they're one of the most interesting teams in the NBA because I, again, yo, I, I actually believe that Jokic, I, if the league, if you know, the season was over today, I'd say, well, it's between him and Embiid for MVP. And honestly, I, I think I'd, I think I'd give it to Jokic. I just don't know anyone who's meant more for their team and is playing better than him right now. So if you're the Nuggets and you say to yourself, okay, we don't have to be concerned about Jokic. He's he's a top 12 player in the NBA to stay, which is my inclination at least. When do you when do you go for when do you go after Bradley Beal? I I've been saying it since the beginning of the season, and now seems like a time more than ever where 
it, it, it really feels like Beal has to get traded. There's no way he's going to end his season in Washington unless if no other team gives any offers to Washington. Washington's 3-12 and right now. And we've seen all of the um, all this stuff with Beal scoring 40 and kind of his facial expression on the bench after losing. I feel like um, that's an understatement. He's been whining on the bench. Not that I mean, not that I blame him, but he has clearly looked upset. Yeah, I yeah, I'm not gonna get yeah, I don't wanna kind of over hype it because he should be upset, you know? Oh, I, I agree with you, reasonable. but I think it's I, I don't I think it's an untenable situation for him and he, it's okay to look upset in that, but mm-hmm. it's not helping. Yeah. Yeah. So then at what point does Denver, because it feels like out of any team, Denver has the pieces because they have all the kind of the nice medium to large contracts and guys like Gary Harris. And you have Porter Jr. and Bull and picks in the future. You're kind of the only team who sort of has that. Golden State's also an in an interesting position to trade for Beal, I find, just because they also have a couple prospects and they still have their picks. And, um, but at what point doesn't Denver just bite the bullet and trade for Beal, let go of Porter, unless if they like him so much? Because you'd have to assume at this point that Washington would take, you know, Porter, a pick, and, you know, maybe another young player. And then, of course, you have to throw in a Gary Harris, a contract, or Millsap, a contract guy. But I'm, I'm waiting for that rumor to heat up, and it, it hasn't. That, I, I feel like I almost need, help making sense of that i'd put beal like if i was beal and if i was denver i would i would try to make that happen as soon as possible no i 100 percent agree with you and i mean as far as some trade destinations for beal just off to the top of my head i think maybe the warriors as an option because they have the wiseman as a potential piece as well as the minnesota pick Mm -hmm. and then uh beyond that where else could we see him going? Maybe as a dark horse. I mean, a Philadelphia Ben Simmons deal, I'm sure could be done, but I don't know if they'd want to do that. Could we I, see the Heat? Yeah. Maybe. I yeah, don't know. The, the Heat, the Heat are also very possible. That's a good point. Um, it feels like the Heat almost have no reason to do it right now, but you know they're into asset collection. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they try? You know. But oh, yeah, exactly. it, it it seems. Uh, it's almost frustrating that uh, Denver hasn't made a bigger effort. Another team back in my mind, if Portland can manage to swap CJ for Beal, how fast do you think they do that? Why would Washington do that? They would do it, I think, extremely why? quickly, but why would they? Yeah, well, that's assuming that the P- Portland's also throwing in uh, presumably a, a Gary Trent type figure and and obviously job draft picks which which portland has right now i believe yeah i mean i don't know i I think they gave the draft picks up for covington didn't they they gave yeah they gave one first up for covington and they signed Derek jones jr they haven't made any big trades recently i think i think their draft picks are open between you know collins trent nazir little i think you also have a bunch of intriguing prospects that you can add on that maybe a washington would be interested in but yeah, that's another little dark horse. Another player gonna get who's gonna get traded soon. I feel like there's almost only one course of action. I could see him going a, a bunch of different places, but again, like the Beal to Denver thing, I feel like there's 
only one team that makes perfect sense. Uh, JJ Redick to Philadelphia. I feel like that. Oh. I feel like that makes too much sense not to happen. No, and he would look. I mean, I I love JJ Redick. I love his podcast. I think he's a great player. And as far as one of those guys who's just frustratingly shooting threes on you, he's been that for the entire time I've been an NBA fan. And I think it's definitely a respectable profession as a lockdown shooter and dead eye shooter like that in the NBA with the career and longevity he's had. And I'd love to see him be on a team that's going to make the playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Pelicans, so, they need more shooting, but I don't know if JJ Redick fits their window. So it wouldn't be the biggest loss if they can get some good assets back. Yeah. Well, it's the report came out yesterday that they're, um, they're they're trying to trade him because you know you, you can get back. It says the the Nets, Celtics, or Sixers are interesting, and of course, like the Nets, you want to say, yeah, imagine that, imagine the spacing, Katie, Kyrie, and Harden being able to go to work with Redick in the corner and the other guys on the other end because they're also fantastic shooters. But then, like, it's the defense just it becomes an overbearing issue to me. Um, the Celtics, I don't feel like they, they need him. Between Pritchard and you got, I think you have enough shooting, and I think your guards are good enough. And I, I think, I don't know if you need to space the floor all that much more, to be honest, unless they give up kind of less or nothing for him, then I don't know. Philadelphia. It makes so much sense to me. I just, again, I don't know. I don't know how Philadelphia gets him there. I don't know how Brooklyn gets him there, though. So, you know, I, I, I would like to see JJ back in Philadelphia, though. That I, I think I'd enjoy that. I just want to see him back in the playoffs, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too picky where he ends up. Mm hmm. Well, JJ Reddick's a guy who gets close to no layups and, you know, segueing over to our window of the week we're we're drafting kind of best layup players with the best layup packages whether that be you know finger rolls uh scoop shots floaters um all that sort of stuff uh i think you uh, i think i went first last week so yeah, I'll, let you you go, I'll let you go first this week and um Go for it. Again, it can be your favorite, the best, the ones you most like. Yeah, I'll let you go first. So there, there's definitely, I think, some top choices here as far as full up, lay, full on layup packages and the beauty of the game. And a lot of these top guys, I think, are also top dunkers too, which makes it, I mean, even more impressive and astounding of how they operate around the rim. Mm-hmm. And with the kind of layup package in mind, I want to go for somebody who has had to get more creative than most in terms of finding his way to the basket. He put on a show every single night, revolutionized the style of the game. And I think some of his revolutions, well, may have been more off the court instead of style. He also came in with some astounding layup packages. And I think you already know where I'm going with this point. I'm going to draft Allen Iverson with the first overall pick. Yeah, I was seeing that. He's... Pound for pound, I mean, pound for pound, people think he's the best player of all time. People say he's the best player of all time. He could quite possibly, but pound for pound, he's definitely the best finisher of all time, and that includes his crazy layup package. Have you ever seen, by chance, the shot? He, Anyways, he has a after-the-play floater. 
I think Dwight Howard blocks the first one and he, and he floats it like feels like if we were in a normal kind of rec center gym, it, it would have touched the ceiling. Anyways, it, it, it goes in after the whistle. It's I've never seen it before, but yeah, his high off the glass layups, his, his finger rolls. That's, that feels like, that feels like a good pick to me. Yeah, so I'm 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 very pleased with that one. So I'll throw it to you, and I'm I'm actually wondering what kind of direction and what kind of criteria you're going to be following for this. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of going with a mix of I, I want to get kind of I want to get the flash, I want to get the efficient, I want to get the creativity, I want to get kind of the the legendary and innovative factor. So right away, I'm going to get the kind of the crazy factor going and you know that's all I'll, I'll narrow that kind of down to uh d rose and john wall and um they do similar things in terms of readjustments in the air and flipping under and around the basket and making n ones um going up strong but i'll take john wall mostly because of his his behind the back layups which um, he totally got Matt Barnes to whiff one time, and then his three sixty layup, which I I think DeRozan does it a lot too. But I think the three sixty layup is possibly my favorite playing basketball, and no one be- does it better than Wall. So I'm going him. I'm going him with my first pick. No, oh, I think that's a great pick. And John Wall is one of those guys who you play in two K and you just click the layup button, and you know it's going in. Yeah, something something's happening. And then my next one. Um, I just wanted to pick someone who's, I think he's the most innovative, not innovative, but creative finishers around the rim and maybe don't think of creativity when it comes to mind, but the left, the right, the pivot foots, the floaters, the leaners, the everything you'll, he'll make him, you foul him around in that Tony Parker. Um, people, most people think he's actually in like the correct that like the kind of exact definition like it seems the best layup of all time he's six three not very fast not athletic not a high jumper and he wouldn't he's not tall like i said not a great shooter either he could pop mid-ranges but basically all of his baskets came around the rim didn't shoot a ton of free throws basically never shot threes um his style was finishing around the rim and and that was his game and He's one of those players you couldn't really stop with height, speed, weight. Just a super creative. Um, yeah, this guy's guy's really good at making layups That's, or finishing around the rim. That's all I'll say about Tony Parker. I like the Tony Parker pick, but I don't know if I would have gone there this early, but he's definitely a great pick. Most efficient around the uh, guard around the rim ever. Fair enough. I guess as far as... P- I don't know if he was the prettiest to ever do it, but definitely, I mean, you can't con- you can't contend with those numbers as far as efficiency. Most effective, yeah. And I mean, in that vein of uh, now swinging it back over to myself, in that vein of kind of putting on a show and, I mean, having fun with it, I think I'm going to have to go with... Uh, mm. I think I'm gonna have to go with Kyrie, though. I know, I know, we love the Kyrie slander on this show, and in this episode, I actually found myself backing up Kyrie more than putting him down, which is a, which is an odd case based on my on-air relationship, or I guess with Kyrie. But in that term, in terms of his skills and his layup package, 
it's 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 undeniable, especially in those years with Cleveland alongside LeBron when it mattered in those games. It was so effective, and we're seeing that now in the season with the 50-40-90 as far as his layup package and how it can get him so many high percentage shots close into the paint. Yeah, I, I feel as if him and, and prime Chicago D-Rose kind of match for the top of the in-air adjustments, who were the best in-air adjustments. But in terms of just pure difficulty, I think I think Kyrie takes the cake. I, I don't know anyone who can make shots like I've seen Kyrie make around the rim. You know, D-Rose is probably the only other one. But um, yeah, I think Kyrie's between yeah no in current day nba i i I think he's one and then going back i'm gonna have i i feel like it'd be a crime scene if i left him out of there almost one of the one of the first popularized circus layuppers i think is mj michael jordan as far as bringing the swagger with leaving the tongue out the up and down with his back to the basket he kind of paved the way for some of these i mean there were guys before him of course but it's but paving the way, I think, for a lot of these new guys and who they look up to when adding that style to the layups, whether it's the dunks or the layups or anything up in the air around the rim, it would be hard to deny Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's another can't miss. Yeah, um, so I have two picks now. And so usually I go historic and then I'll go with the maybe and outside the box. The historic, I've picked Julius Irving before. I feel like I've picked him twice. One was hair, maybe one was Duncan or something. Anyhow. Um, so, so instead of picking Julius Irving, I'm basically, it feels like he's almost Julius Irving, Julius Irving's like less talked about twin brother who somehow just gets the short end of the stick, probably because he wasn't as good. Uh, George Gervin, the Iceman, basically invented the finger roll. Um, the finger roll jelly, whatever you want to call it, uh, in terms of going to the rim with grace and the smoothness, no, no one beats him. So that's just get quickly to get my historical one in. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going George Gervin. I can't on that note. I can't believe you went George Gervin. I was really, I wanted, to, I wanted him so badly. I didn't even want him as bad as MJ, but I'm like, I can definitely just snag him in the fourth round. Like that's gr- going to be great value. The finger roll. Well, kind of unnecessary. I'm not sure why people would do it today. Extremely clean. So and clean. I'm so jealous you snagged that one up right before me there. I should have known better. Be jealous. Yeah, so I'm going the Iceman there as I ice Thomas. Um, and then my next pick, I guess, will be a bit outside. Uh, basketball outside. I found out this side on basketball outside. 70% of his shots came from basically what what they define as layups. And like, not even, I mean, guys like Mitchell Robinson, Gobert are getting 70%, but, but, uh, six foot three shooting guards, six foot two shooting guards who can't shoot are definitely not getting Leandro Barbosa. He had, he, he has this crazy scoop in his layup. Um, it feels like he, he could finish anything over anyone. Like he would, I remember when he was on the Raptors specifically, he would, he would just take, big man out to the perimeter and he he had no concern with like blowing past them or or or, sh- or kind of dribbling around to get an open shot he kind of kept them on his hip and he was just like he he felt aware that he could make these 
crazy scoop shots around the rim at any time as long as he got to the rim in a good uh, body position. Um, I don't know. They call him the Brazilian blur. That's what he felt like around the rim sometimes. Um, yeah, I'm going Barbosa. I think that's a great pick and an underrated one that I definitely wouldn't have snagged off the board for sure. Mm-hmm. And in that, to kind of round out my list now, I'm kind of left hanging now that I don't have my George Gervin Iceman kind of in the bag right here. Doesn't feel and good. I might, eh? and oh, it feels it feels bad, most honestly. So mm-hmm. now I'm kind of searching. I mean, I could cop. I I, I don't want to say this is a cop out, but I could just pick Dwayne Wade. I mean, that would be, in my opinion, a great pick. That I'd I'd say that would be a cop out. I think you can have a bit more fun than that. And with that being said, I'm going to pick Baron Davis. I think he's a player that historically hasn't really had his shine yet and is probably more known for his dunks. But as far as finishing creatively around the rim and being kind of that big body that we see now in Kyle Lowry in finishing those inside layups, it's undeniable. I think... In a historical context, after Kyle Lowry's being re- retired, I'm going to be drafting him in that slot. But for now, it's going to be BD occup- occupying it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on the Baron Davis love. Um, other players that that my honorable mentions were DeRozan. Uh, DeRozan, I, I'm surprised you didn't end up taking Derrick Rose just because he is. I thought you took. I totally lost track there. I thought you took Derrick Rose. I'm I was. Honest. I was proposing that I was that John Wall and Derrick Rose are very similar, and then I was going to take one, and I ended up taking Wall. So yeah, no. Shout out to him, Deron Williams, who used to have crazy floaters around the rim. These I can't even explain them. These weird push shots. They'd always go in. I'd swear though, uh, Jason Kidd, who was like the the new age kind of um, finger roll. George Gervin type guy in a weird way. And I was thinking of someone else. Tyreek Evans. Apparently they his rookie year they called him um the layup king. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I feel like I never saw it, but yeah, apparently he's he's great at layups. I mean that layup line, you just nobody does it better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And on that note, we're going to wrap up today's show. You are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Have a great morning, and we'll talk to you soon. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addington in offering confidential quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613 
or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388.